Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. You cannot overemphasize or too greatly value the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I've noticed certain things in the church world over all of these years of ministry. And there are a lot of people who believe that the only place the baptism with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues as being connected with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the only place this is taught is in Acts chapter 2. They believe that Pentecostals take all of their theology from Acts chapter 2, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. And some, of, some people who are, who are of that persuasion go so far as to say that the book of Acts is a historical book and it's not intended for doctrine. You can't base doctrine on the book of Acts. You have to go either in the gospels or to the epistles where the word is, where, there, where, where Paul was teaching or the other uh, 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 authors, the other apostles, James and John, were teaching. That's where you base doctrine. But you know, that second idea is so easily refuted. Second Timothy chapter uh, two, 3, I think, says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. The very first, a list of things. Doctrine is the first thing. All Scripture. And, and then those folks who believe that really the only place being filled with the Spirit and speaking with tongues is taught is in Acts chapter 2. And they say, they, they talk about all of the other references in the New Testament as being negative towards speaking with other tongues. And they quote, and of course, you know, and I've, and I've used this scripture and refuted this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part be done away, tongues shall cease. And they teach that, that tongues has now ceased. Of course, we went over that. That's not true. That's not what it's even talking about. And, uh, and then when they go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, they say, well, Paul was very negative, you know, about speaking with other tongues and he was trying to curtail. Uh, you know, when you, when you read anything through the prism of your own biases, it colors what you see. I've noticed this about human nature, negative biases or biases against things are much more powerful in people's lives and tend to be more uh, uh, extreme than positive biases. And it's true in this arena. When people are set against certain things, that's all they can see. They failed to point out or to see that Paul said, I thank my God, I speak in tongues more than all of you. 
the, the uh, chapter 14 was not discouraging tongues uh, overall. They failed to see that there are different purposes and uses for tongues. They point out in the 12th chapter, they're always quick to point this out. Do all speak with tongues? And the implied answer is no. So they say, see there, you know, in a church, there's only going to be some people that speak in tongues. Again, they don't understand that, that, that in essence, all speaking with tongues is one and the same, but in purpose and use, they're different. There's a different purpose and a different application of tongues when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. In every account, when people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they either spoke with other tongues right then or it was implied that they did. And if this idea that uh, uh, not all will speak with tongues, you know, do all speak with tongues? The, the, The answer is no. If that has to do with all tongue speaking, then the day of Pentecost was completely out of order. Because they all spoke with tongues. If you use that scripture as your, as, your, uh, as your foundation, you would say on the day of Pentecost, there would have been out of 100 penny, 120, that have been a few or some who spoke with tongues. Do all? Well, no, not all. But they did all. Same thing happened in Acts chapter 10. Same thing happened in Acts chapter 19. It's implied that it happened in Acts chapter 8 because, because uh, the sorcerer saw something that had taken place. So, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a bias that's written into what a lot of people believe and it, and it colors what they believe. People who have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit don't have that bias. <laughs> because when you've experienced the power of God, it's real to you. And in order for us to be good witnesses of the things we've received, it's got to stay important to us. I noticed this. I I came back into fellowship with the Lord. This isn't in any of my notes here. I came back into fellowship, got back into fellowship with the Lord at 20 years old in 1972. And at the end of that year, and then over in the early part of 1973, I started going back to church. And I returned to the classical Pentecostal church that I'd been raised in, the church of God. And uh, and so I started going back to church and I found out that there was something called the charismatic renewal or the charismatic movement going on. You've heard me talk about this. And... uh, there were, there were people who had started attending the church in my absence that were more charismatic than Pentecostal, than being historically Pentecostal. And there were a lot of younger adults uh, who had no church background that had been swept in to the, to the church through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so I became uh, very curious, very interested in, and, and really grew to appreciate this worldwide outpouring of the Spirit. Prior to the, the, uh, the charismatic renewal, uh, speaking in tongues was confined to a small part of the church world, the Pentecostal church world. And Pentecostal churches, by and large, were not, uh, they were small churches, and uh, the vast majority of the church world was very against uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit if it included speaking with other tongues. 
Well, God stirred up some people. I don't want to go into all the history of it, but God moved through certain people and introduced the baptism of the Holy Spirit to the Catholics to start with. And then to the Episcopals and to some of the, uh, what we as Pentecostals used to say, the frozen churches. You know, Presbyterians. And, and, and it began to spread and it was, a, it was a marvelous move of God. You can't take away or you can't deny the sovereign move of God. That it was time, God ordained it, he had prophesied it, and God did it. And, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit spread through all of the major denominations. There was not one that wasn't touched by, I'm talking about the, now maybe the Greek Orthodox Church, I'm not sure about them, but all of the other major, from, from uh, Catholic, Episcopal, Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist, Church of Christ, Disciples of Christ, every group found people in their congregations who were being filled with the Holy Spirit. They weren't being filled in those church services. They were being filled in, in charismatic meetings that were happening. And these, these charismatic meetings were popping up all over the country. And in every major city, there were uh, large arenas. Sometimes, you know, ballrooms that were opened up, you know, to the maximum, several ballrooms. And there were hundreds and thousands of people, in some cases, even larger arenas like major auditoriums, filled to capacity with people from all the denominations. Of course, they went back to their churches and, and it called on in, in their churches. And God, God uh, worked as long as he could. And eventually that, that movement died out. And traditionalism got a grip again. And like I said, you can't deny the sovereignty and the fact that it was just a move of God, that God swept in and did it. Can't deny that. But there's also something else that contributed to it that people had to do. And that was that people who were filled with the Holy Spirit were excited about their experience. They were thrilled. These were people who had come out of the traditional denominations where everything was just rigid and, and quiet and controlled and, and there was no power and no life. And suddenly they experienced life in the spirit. And I'm telling you what, they went everywhere talking about it. You can say amen better than you're doing. The people who were filled with the Holy Spirit were excited about being filled with the Spirit. It was a, it was a central part of their lives. They talked about it. They shared it with people at work and friends and everywhere. It was something that God was doing, but people were doing. People were stirred with what they had. They had lived under bondage and religious, religious tradition for so long and their hearts had been set free and they were grateful. We're lacking that. I said, we're lacking that. We're lacking that in the measure that they had it. We're lacking it. It's the truth. 
If we're going to have an impact on our world, the things of God have got to be exciting to us. We have to, again, be thrilled with the word of God and the spirit of God. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. That's my message. I didn't have that intended for today, but that's my message. Hallelujah. We have to be hungry. I've talked about that. Yeah, yeah, I've talked about that, but we have to be thrilled. It has to mean something to us again. Amen. It caught on. But the only reason it could catch on was because people caught fire. They caught fire. They, they got on fire. And they couldn't contain themselves. I mean, God, God filled people with the Holy Spirit who before had, had, had never heard of it. They'd come up in churches where it wasn't taught. They didn't know anything about it. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then other things started happening. They start, you know, anytime the Holy Spirit is poured out, there's going, there, there will be signs, wonders, and miracles, and heaps. People began to get healed in their meetings. The glory of God would come in. People would fall out under the power. These were people who had never seen anybody fall out under the power. It wasn't suggestion. I know they told me, I, I don't think I was, I, I wasn't in the meeting, but they told me that uh, in one of Brother Hagin's meetings, one of the, one of the people on the Rama Singers and Bands band uh, said in one of Brother Hagin's meetings, the people came up, you know, and, and Brother Hagin was laying hands on people and people were falling out, you know. He said there was a guy walked up and, and he's looking around. And so he just kind of carefully gets down and lays out. He thought that's what everybody was doing. Well, you know, if, if people are aware of falling in the uh, falling out under the power of God, a lot of times people will just go down out of suggestion. In the charismatic movement, there there wasn't any suggestion; they'd never seen it before. I've laid hands on people in this church who. Come and find out later. It's the first time they'd ever been in a Pentecostal church. Didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit falling out of the power. And boom, they just went out. Well, they, they, were, they were just experiencing God's power. People were being healed. They then, they then read that you could lay hands on the, on the sick and, and keep it up. God just started healing some people in the services, you know, without anybody laying hands on them. So that got them interested in reading more about healing. And they found out, hey, we can lay hands on people. They started laying hands on one, one another, people at work, people were being healed. But it was because they were thrilled with what they had. Amen. Glory to God. We got to get that back. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we seek you today, Lord. Glory to God. Father, help us. Help us, Lord.
Help us, Lord, to stir ourselves up. And then we expect you to respond and to move among us and to refresh our hearts. We, we can't fill ourselves with the Spirit. We can't create a move of the Spirit. All we have authority over and all that we have influence over is our own lives and our own hearts. And so, Father, we humble ourselves today to seek you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, Father, we humble ourselves, Lord, that we might lay hold of everything that belongs to us. Father, that we would not just have the spirit in doctrine and in creed, that it not just be history with us, but there would be a fresh outpouring, a fresh filling with the spirit upon our lives, Lord, and in our church, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. (sighs) Hallelujah. Would somebody join me in prayer? Would somebody join me in prayer? Oh, God. Oh, God. We're not seeing what we ought to see. We're not, we're not experiencing what we ought to experience, Father. We know that. So many who have gone before us have experienced demonstrations of the Spirit and of power, Lord. Oh, Father, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, Father, glory to God. We repent of our failings. We repent, Father, of not following after you like we should, Lord, and of putting natural things ahead of spiritual things. Glory to God. I didn't turn my mic on to quieten you. I I want you to, to pray with me. Glory to God. Natural life, natural things, Father, we know there is a natural realm that we have to take care of, but we don't have to be so consumed with it. We're overly, we're overly consumed. We're, we give, it takes too much of our attention, too much of our time, entertainment, things of this life, natural pursuits, Lord. We've, we've become a society of leisure, our, our lifestyle, our technology, our culture uh, uh, magnifies leisure and fun and, and entertainment above everything else, Father. And we've gotten drawn into that. And it's taken our attention away from you, Father. We, we turn away from that. We repent. We acknowledge that wrong, that sin. Father, we want all of our attention to be on you, Lord. All of our focus to be on you. And just give just enough attention to the natural realm to take care of the things we must do. 
But oh, Father, that, that, that our hearts would be constantly lifted up to you, Lord. That there would always be that, that connection, that praise flowing out of our heart. That worship flowing out of our heart. That prayer ascending up to you, Lord. That seeking of you and your blessing and of your fullness, Father. Oh, Father, fullness. Fullness. Jesus came to pour his fullness into us. And, and we long for that. We seek it, Lord. We, we, we desire it. Like Paul said, we are letting our requests be made known to you, Father. Father, that we would be filled again to, to, to overflowing, Father. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Prayer. Prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. The word and worship. Service for you in worship, Lord. All of these things are a part of our worship, Father. Worship, Lord, can't be something that's just done on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Can't be just something that's done a a few moments a day. Oh, Father, help us to retrain ourselves. To retrain ourselves, Lord. To discipline ourselves, to put first things first, to be aware of this world around us, that we have a commission. We've been commissioned with carrying this glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to everyone, everywhere we go. We've been commissioned to be lights in this world. We've been sent to be lights. Too long we've hidden this light under, under a basket We've kept it to ourselves. We've not shared it with the people around us. And in order for our light to really shine, we have to be full of that light. Light automatically shines when there's enough light there. When the, when the light grows intense enough, when it grows bright enough, it has to shine out. You don't have to make it work. And so in, in that sense, Father, we need the light of your spirit, Lord, to, to radiate in our lives. It's not just a matter of, of, of one-on-one witnessing where we t- tell people about, about the Lord Jesus. Certainly that's part of it. We don't diminish that. But it's more than that. It's living a life that's so full and so free and so full of joy. Father, we stir up the joy of the Lord. We stir up the joy of the Lord in our hearts. We determine, Father, like never before, to be thrilled with the Word and thrilled with the Spirit and thrilled with you, Father. Glory to God. Thrilled with our salvation. Glory to God. The joy, the joy, the joy, the joy of our salvation, Father. The joy of our fullness in the Spirit. Oh, Father, we pray for it. Lord, that, that, that you'll help us do what we need to do. That you will stir, that you'll respond to us, Father. Respond to our hearts. Respond to our prayers, Lord. Glory to God. 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 Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. We worship you, Lord. Father, I for one, I for one am not willing to go any further without the fullness 
of the demonstration of the spirit and of power. I'm just not willing. I'm not willing to take a step further. Hallelujah. Not willing to go a step further, Father. Without the full measure of your spirit, hallelujah, upon me and upon us as a congregation. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for hearing and responding. Hearing and responding to my prayer, to our prayer, Father. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now, I did have, have this in my notes today. First Corinthians 2. Paul said that you might have faith in the power of God. So we know that we're expected to have faith in the power of God. You don't have faith for something that you see. You have faith for something you don't see. So faith in the power of God is believing for something that isn't in manifestation. So faith in the power of God will result in, number one, placing demand on the power of God. Because faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding actions has no effect. So faith in the power of God will result in putting a demand on that power. Two, it will result in expecting the power. And three, it will result in experiencing the power. Experiencing the power depends upon yielding to the power, participating in the power. You never experience anything that you don't participate in. And where the things of God are concerned, it requires yielding to the power, participating with the power. Someone with faith in the power of God steps out in that power. He doesn't just sit there when the Spirit moves upon him. He steps out in that power. Now, how do you know what's appropriate? How do you know what's appropriate? What what kind of response? How to step out in the power? What's appropriate? There are two things determine what's appropriate. Number one, the scriptures. Number two, precedent. Jesus himself said, I have yet many things to say to you that I can't say right now. But when the spirit comes, he'll teach you. And we have precedent from scripture, but we also have precedent from history in the power of God. People stepping out in the power of God. 
If the Spirit has moved in certain ways in the past, it's appropriate to think He'll move that way again. Anything we see in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we can expect Him to do again. Anything that we've heard of and read about in days gone by and revivals, genuine revivals. Now, if, some, if something isn't of God, it doesn't take long to figure that out. But when moves of God sweep through the church, if they're of God, they result in blessing. They result in increase. God's favor and blessing is upon it. And so when any of these moves of God where things have happened, that, that, that we know about, we can expect. We have a right to expect those things today. We're not too cool. We're not too sophisticated. We might be, but we shouldn't be. That's our problem a lot of times. We're too sophisticated. We're too concerned about what people think. The day of Pentecost, they were openly mocked. But that didn't stop them. It didn't stop them. They were not ashamed of the power of God. So I'm going to read my illustrious notes again. Faith in the power of God will result in one, placing a demand on that power. Number two, experiencing that power. Excuse me. Number two, expecting that power. Number three, experiencing that power. And then experience... Experiencing the power will depend upon yielding to the power and participating with the power. Someone with faith in the power of God steps out in that power. He doesn't just sit there when the Spirit moves upon him. And if it's scriptural and we have precedent and God has blessed it, then he will bless it again. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we have faith in your power. We believe in your power. We have that portion, that side of faith, the believing part. We have that. We believe in your power. We believe in its importance. We believe in its ordination. We believe it's right. We believe it's for today. We believe it's for us. But faith requires action. Requires expectancy. requires experiencing requires yieldedness and the willing to participate the willing to step out for instance to pray when people are around us not be concerned about what other people think being willing to express what's on your heart, being willing to express 
what you want. Giving expression to your to the longings and the desires that are deep within our hearts. Glory to God. Kiestavo Mianjimelevisi Koreata Bresta Remeninista Karapale Relenisto Koredaya Shevan Vikela Ogrupa Prafala Deradinda Senre Manrata Frevisha Prato Erakista Kariandala Nekasteas. For I do stir the hearts of men, and I do put my desires and my longings on the inside of my own children, my own sons and daughters. And I do stir you, and I do create a desire, but I, re- I depend upon you. And it's reserved unto you, not unto me, but it's reserved unto you, the privilege of acting upon those yearnings and those desires and giving voice to that which is on the inside and giving action to that which is on the inside. And that is the life of faith. Stepping out when you don't see what you'd like to see simply because you know it's true. Simply because you know it's in the word of God. Simply because you know that it's the will of God. You'll step out on that belief. That is the life of faith. And that is the faith that I reward, says the Lord, is the faith that acts, the faith that takes, the faith that laid, lays hold of the fullness of all that I have for you and doesn't draw back, doesn't take less and isn't silenced, but presses in, presses in and lays hold of. And give action to the promptings of the Spirit in your heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Mahasha. Thank you, Father. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. Praise the Lord. Well, the Lord says to send them home in prayer. So that's what I'm going to do. Let's stand. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want you to go out of here with prayer in your hearts I want you to go out of here today with a seeking a yearning a desire in your hearts for everything God has everything God has and putting God first first place around the dining table around the kitchen table around the living room around all of home life, every day, all of our pursuits. 
being more mindful of God. Or I should say it like this, being first mindful of God. Being first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek that first. Everything else will fall into line in your natural life. Do you trust him enough? Do you trust him enough to take care of the natural things that you spend so much time trying to take care of yourself? Do you trust him enough to somehow do it without your help? (laughs) Without your oversight? Without your labor? Don't misunderstand me. There are things we have to do. But do, do you trust God enough to put him first? To put him first and expect him to do what he's promised to do. Jesus said, all these things will be added to you. What you wear, what you eat, your life. They didn't have cars, but it would include what you drive, where you live, every, all of your natural life. That's what he was talking about. Your natural life, God will take care of. You have a responsibility, you know that, but do you trust him? If you'll put him first, you'll be challenged. You'll be challenged. Your old natural mind will challenge you and say, yeah, but I, I got to take care of this. I, got, I don't have time for prayer today. I don't have time to get into the word. You'll be challenged. So the Lord send, said, send you away in prayer. So go. <laughs> You're dismissed. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.